And I realized like that's what we as women need to do. Like we need to know our care instructions so we can do that and be lush and beautiful and grow and thrive. That was today's guest, Tara Pringle Jefferson. She is a self-care expert, which is why I have brought her on the show. I've personally been following Tara for over three years and have been super impressed with how she approaches and teaches self-care. That's why she's here. Tara is a writer, speaker, and self-care coach who holds a master's in human development. She's also a mother of two, and we talk about the importance of self-care for mothers in this episode. Tara is eloquent and knowledgeable. The way she discusses self-care really brings it home for me. I hope you feel the same way. If you'd like to know more about Tara, her online courses, or her group coaching, you can find her at theselfcaresuite.com. A sneak peek of what you can expect in this episode, we are talking about the importance of knowing our care instructions. Gosh, that one landed with me. How there are different types of self-care, the pampering side, but also the self-respect and boundaries element, which can be a lot harder to implement. How when we're setting boundaries, it isn't the setting of them that is important, but the enforcing of them. And how we can support ourselves in new motherhood. There's so much goodness in this episode. Enjoy it. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Tara, thank you for coming on Here to Thrive today. You're another person that I have had in my social network for quite some time. So it's a treat to speak with you. Well, thank you so much for having me on here. I have been getting Tara's self-care emails I want to say for at least two years, probably three, and you always share so much wisdom. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, self-care. What does it mean to you, Tara? What is When we're talking about self-care, what are we really talking about? Can you help define that for us? You know, I always say that self-care is a really personal thing. Everybody kind of has their own personal definition of what self-care means. And I think that my personal definition is really about becoming a master student of yourself and knowing exactly who you are, what you stand for, what you need, what your desires are, and then doing those things that making all of that happen, making those desires happen, making those those wants happen. And that takes work. It takes practice to get to know yourself on that level. But self-care is also it's about that journey of discovering who you are so that you can stand firm in it. And then you can go out into the world intentionally to get those things that you need. A master student of yourself. Wow. What a power phrase. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it too. I'm hooked. What a great definition of self-care. Tara, how did you get to where you are today? Because I feel like you've been doing this self-care thing since before it was really as buzzwordy as it is mm-hmm. today. So what was it that led you to become a self-care specialist? So I feel like I, in some way, shape or form, have been talking about self-care since about like 2008. That's when I launched my first blog and it was all about young motherhood. I had my first child when I was in college. And so I started this website, The Young Mommy Life, where I just really talked about what it meant to be a young mother, um, somebody who wasn't necessarily a teen mom, but also wasn't you know, really well established in her 30s. And so I realized then that a lot of the messages that I was saying to myself and to the other readers was that, you know, I wanted them to use their voice and discover who I was and who they were as women and not just as moms. And I looked at, you know, as I started to kind of age out of that young mom spectrum, I wanted to think about, okay, well, what's next for me? And I just really kind of wanted to continue that empowering work and, and movement that I had been building, but this time for a broader audience. And so, Yeah, basically, since 2008, I've been talking about self-care and what it means and how women can use it to have a healthier, more joyful life. I feel like no one was talking about self-care in 2008. You were totally ahead of the curve. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I I feel like it really, it definitely has become very trendy now. Um, I see so many people talking about it on Instagram, online, on different websites, having different products. But yeah, like I, I feel like self-care is something that really helped me personally on my journey. And so that's pretty much why I'm so vocal about it, why I've made it my career, because I know how life-changing it can really be. Do you know, I haven't even told you this, Tara. I found you through a hashtag on Instagram. Now I remember <laughs> it was with your bloom beautifully boxes. Is that what Mm -hmm. they were? Um, and I was, I swear I searched like self care box because I wanted to buy one Mm. and I found you that way. Awesome. See, I love it. See the Instagram, the hashtags and all that. It works. It works. It It works. works. That's why we're having this conversation today. Oh, I love that. You went on and you have a degree in human development as well, Mm -hmm. right? I do. Can we talk a little bit more about, did you start your mommy blog while you were studying or afterwards? What did that look like? Yeah. So I, um, like I said, I had my daughter in undergrad when I got my bachelor's degree in journalism, actually. And then I started the blog. And then maybe mm, a few years later, maybe four or so years later, I decided to go back to school to get my master's in human development and family studies, which is basically just as it sounds. It's you know, <laughs> studying about how humans develop and how families operate optimally. And so it's basically, you know, learning about family systems and family processes and family traditions and, you know, what families have looked like over the years and what is the best optimal conditions for humans to develop in. And so I wanted to go back and get this degree because I, again, was giving a lot of encouragement and writing, you know, just kind of from my own point of view. But I really thought that that um, degree would give me a lot more background in, you know, how I can really root this in research and, you know, 
facts and not just necessarily my opinion. And it did not help. It did not hurt rather um, that my husband worked for the university at the time. So my tuition was free. (laughs) So I figured why not go back and get a degree when I don't have to pay for it. That's amazing. Yeah. But you were balancing two small kids and studying at the same time. I mean, self-care must have been something that you really had to lean on. Yeah. So they were, uh, let's see, when I went back to school, um, it was a really crazy time in my life, like looking back on it now. So I had a nine to five job while I was doing the blog and and doing all of that. Um, And then I decided to go back to school. Then I got laid off from that job and decided to do my blog full time, still going to school. And I think my kids are maybe four and two at the time. It was just really crazy. And I think my self-care actually was really, I I was really struggling at that point to be consistent with it and be intentional about it because I was really, you know, my feelings were hurt from getting laid off. And I kind of felt not necessarily worthless, but I just felt like I had something to prove. And so I really kind of just threw myself into work. I threw myself into motherhood and It wasn't, it took me a couple of years to really find that rhythm. And once I did, that's when I was like, ah, like this is what was missing. This Mm -hmm. is what I really need to be my best self. Oh, it so makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Talking about that best self, how do you believe that self-care helps us achieve that? So I have been in all of my workshops and everything that I do recently, I talk a lot about how I have become a plant mom. And so I have six or seven different house plants now that I'm just like crazy about because I'm managing to keep these things alive when I never (laughs) really had a green thumb before. And what I realized was that it's not that hard to keep plants alive if you pay attention to the care instructions for each plant. So like each plant They have a certain amount of water that they need per week. They have a certain amount of sunlight that they need, certain soil, etc. And I found that when I did what the care instructions said, like they grew and they got bigger and they, you know, looked beautiful and healthy and lush. And I realized like that's what we as women need to do. Like we need to know our care instructions so we can do that and be lush and beautiful and grow and thrive. So it's as simple as, like I said before, with the definition of self-care, with knowing yourself and knowing what those things are that allow you to thrive and then doing those things. So for me, for example, I love Cajun and Creole food and I need to have jambalaya maybe once a week. Oh, That's one of my things I need to have. Like if I have jambalaya once a week, I'm doing great. Like life is amazing. I need to, you know, get maybe seven hours of sleep. If I get seven hours of sleep, life is amazing. If I get four hours, life is horrible and I can't deal. So really just knowing those care instructions, knowing, you know, what what conditions you best thrive in and then trying your best to create those conditions so that you can, you know, go through life upbeat and ready to take on the day versus kind of, you know, being dragged through your day. You describe self-care so eloquently. We need to know our care instructions. Mm-hmm. That is so good. I'm, that that will never leave me. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking about when you say four hours sleep and 
that metaphor of plants. If I get four hours sleep, sleep, I am certainly wilting. I, mm-hmm. I can't, there is no mm-hmm. way I'm thriving after four hours sleep. Mm-hmm. I am a wilting daisy. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of us can relate to that. Yeah. But routinely we might get five hours of sleep and we're like, Oh, you know, how do we fix that? And it's really about knowing and then putting it into practice. So if you know you need six hours of sleep, you probably, you know, shouldn't be on Facebook or Instagram at 11 <laughs> at night. <laughs> How do you encourage your clients to get in touch with what their unique care instructions are? It's funny because one of the ways that I knew that I wasn't thriving, that I was wilting, was that I was so angry all the time. And I had the world's worst temper, like little things would set me off. And it wasn't about, you know, whatever it is that I was complaining about. It was just the weight of so many other things. And so I tell women, especially if they've been struggling with some of these emotions like anger to really, you know, kind of sit in that and say, well, what what is this really about? Because anger, I can't remember where I read it, but anger is a sign something is unfair. And so you have to look at that and say, okay, well, what's unfair in this situation? Well, it's unfair that I have to be the one, the only one in this house who does laundry, because then I don't get a chance to relax in the evenings. So then you can kind of go from there and say, hey, I need hour or so of downtime to unwind every day, because you can tell when your body isn't getting what it needs, or you aren't getting what you need. There's little signs all over the place. So it might manifest as anger, it might manifest as fatigue, you're you're out of balance, you're out of whack. It might manifest as some sense of scarcity, right? You're like, I just feel like I never have enough time. I feel like I never have enough energy and never have enough of whatever. So those are the, the areas that I always kind of direct people to, you know, sit in those emotions, sit in, you know, how you're feeling. And then your care instructions, what you need kind of bubbles to the top. Oh, I love it. That's mm-hmm. how you worked out. You needed your jambalaya. I did. Yes. When I have jambalaya, I have my bowl and I like dance around the kitchen. Oh, oh, it's so good. I'm going to jambalaya is on the menu for Friday. So (laughs) (laughs) it's just around the corner. It's it's just, yeah. A couple days I get my jambalaya. So I feel like there is self-care is talked about so much as we touched on earlier, you go to Instagram and it's like every second coach is talking about Mm self-care. And I feel like it's almost becoming a little bit of a should. Mm -hmm. Then you should be doing self-care. If you're not, you're failing. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that same vibe? I do. I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure because I hear this from some of the women that I work with. You know, they tell me like, oh, like I'm feeling pressure to, to take a bath <laughs> instead of a shower or I'm feeling pressure to, you know, go for a walk or I'm feeling pressure to journal. And that's what I come back to with the you know reminder that self-care is really a personal journey and it may not look the same for everybody. Like certain women They love going to the gym. Right. And I used to try to, you know, say, I need to go to the gym. Why am I not going to the gym? And I had to realize it's because I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like the gym. I like going to a yoga class. I like dancing around the first floor of my house. I like certain things. If you're feeling like self-care is becoming more of a should instead of a want, instead of a desire, then, you know, take a step back and say, well, what about this? Who am I performing for? Who, who is this just something that I think will make a nice picture on Instagram? Or is it really something that's feeding me and making me happy? Because if it's not, then why do it? 
who am I performing for? It is so funny you mentioned the bath thing because when I first really dove into my journey with self-care, which was around about three and a half, four years ago, probably a little Mm -hmm. longer, probably closer to five years, I can remember I was like, I need to go have a bath, you know, Mm self-care equals bath. And Mm -hmm. I sat in that bathtub overheating, (laughs) bored out of my brain, being like, why do people like baths like this yes. is a, I'm not enjoying this am I doing it wrong yes. and and it it took me a little bit to realize that just because I don't like a bubble bath with uh some candles by the side mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I was doing self-care wrong exactly exactly yeah and I I love baths I don't do them nearly as often as I would like but I love baths and people when I did the bloom beautifully box When I did that, when I did my self-care subscription box, I would often include bath bombs or or shower bombs or whatever in in the boxes. And it was just really amazing to me when I would hear women say, well, what? I'm not going to use these. And I said, oh, you don't like baths? Like, oh, no. But I really, I love that they told me that because it really helped me see that self-care isn't one size fits all. It isn't something, there isn't one activity that everybody's going to like. I want to touch on that point. You say one activity that people are going to like. So is it crucial to the definition of self-care that you have that we enjoy it? (laughs) Simple yes. Yes. And I think that self-care, it may not, there's certain aspects to it where it's not going to feel necessarily feel good in the moment, right? If you are telling somebody that you telling somebody no, that you can't do something because you're just tapped out, you don't have the capacity to do it, that may not feel good in that moment for you. But later, when you have that free time <laughs> that you didn't spend being bogged down with whatever favor it was, that might feel good for you. Okay. And so, yeah, so there's different you know elements of self-care. There's, you know, kind of like the the pampering aspects of it. But then there's also the more difficult aspects where you really have to make some hard choices and have some hard conversations in order to protect your space and to protect what you need, protect your energy so that it doesn't get zapped by everybody else. Protect your energy. That leads me totally into what I wanted to talk about, which is boundaries. Mm-hmm. So you see boundaries as being a vital part of self-care. I do. I do. I always tell people that boundaries are beautiful. Boundaries really, that was one of the cornerstones. When I started my self-care journey, probably about four years ago, boundaries were the thing that I recognized almost immediately that I was lacking in my life. And again, that's where a lot of that anger was coming from because I was giving so much and not receiving anything in return. I would say to people, or I would has told one of my friends recently, and we were talking, having a discussion about boundaries, was that people would come to me and they knew that they could get whatever it was they need. So they would walk away from me feeling relief. They would walk away from me feeling better, but they didn't stop to really consider if I felt worse. And I realized that it wasn't necessarily on them to see, you know, if I felt worse. That was about me and my boundaries and protecting myself that way. So boundaries are definitely the cornerstone of my self-care practice. They're really about making sure that you protect what you need to feel happy and whole. I read a quote. It was like, walls keep people out, but boundaries show people where the door is. 
Oh, I've and read I, that quote and I mm-hmm. love it too. I love it. And I read it and I was like, I have to remember and share it with people. My whole self-care thing is about community, right? So I don't want people to wreck these walls that are really rigid and, you know, don't let anybody in or out. But boundaries are really about, you know, this is how I thrive. This is, you know, I'm putting this out here. This is how I thrive. I thrive by, you know, not answering work emails at night. I thrive by, you know, leaving work at 5 p.m. I thrive this way. And that's kind of what boundaries for me are really about, about, you know, making sure that I don't give too much of myself so that I am not just left with the crumbs, right? I think that so many women struggle with boundaries. I know I used to, and I have gotten Mm -hmm. so much better with this as I have developed over the years as well. Mm -hmm. But how do you feel like we can begin to set loving boundaries or how our listeners could set loving boundaries if they haven't been very good at it up until this point? Where can they start? I think one thing that I have worked on with my clients is that we really have to work on mindset first because It's one thing to set a boundary, but it's another thing to enforce it because I think that's where, you know, anybody can kind of set a boundary, right? Like you can say, just using the email example, you can say, I'm not going to check work emails past, let's say 7 p.m. being, you know, generous if you work a typical nine to five. I'm not going to check work emails past 7 p.m. And then if you get an email, let's say 9 p.m., enforcing that and feeling like, oh, I have to answer because this is work, that is a test of your of your boundaries. And if you aren't confident enough, if you aren't firm enough in that boundary, then you'll reply to that email. The cycle will start all over again and you'll be back to square one. And so really starting with that mindset shift of why is this boundary important to you and understanding that and again, boundaries shift and change over time, kind of depending on your your personal situation. But starting with that mindset shift of, you know, why do I need this boundary? What is this boundary going to do for me? Because you have to stay focused on that when it comes to those boundaries being tested. And they will. Like, that's just a part of life, that the boundaries will get tested eventually. Oh, that is such an important conversation because you're right. I think so many of us can set the boundaries, but it's Mm -hmm. maintaining the boundaries that is hard. Mm-hmm. It is. It's really hard. It's And I, I'm speaking from experience. I don't want anybody who's listening to this to think that I set boundaries and I do self-care perfectly. No, I'm constantly having to you know, switch up things and, and reevaluate and, and all of that. It takes work. It does. It takes work to really get comfortable with the idea of having boundaries, to get comfortable with enforcing them, get comfortable if people are upset with you because of a boundary that you've set, that that definitely takes some work getting used to. So much of what I had to learn was around the expectations I had of myself too and being mm. kinder to myself. When you were using mm. that email example, when I took a break from work a few months ago, I stopped the push notifications on my emails on my phone mm-hmm. and my work emails weren't coming to me at 9 p.m. at night as soon as they landed in my inbox anymore. They were coming when I I read them when I checked. And Mm -hmm. wow, has that made a difference. But it wasn't that my clients expected me to reply at 9 p.m. at night. You know, it's about also owning where you may be holding yourself to an unrealistic standard, I think. Exactly, exactly. 
we touched on how you are a mum. Mm-hmm. I know that the time that self-care really came to the forefront for me was in that early sort of postpartum period. I feel like it's when it went out the window and I totally crashed because mm-hmm. of it. It was my personal rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like women are particularly vulnerable at that point? You know, that new mother kind of, I didn't know what I was in for, Tara. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's the that's the problem with motherhood is that we we can have other people kind of fill us in, but until you go through it yourself and experience it, because everybody's postpartum journey is different. Until you experience it yourself, you don't quite know. And so I have a really, really soft spot for new moms. I'm actually in the process, the very, very early stages of becoming a postpartum doula, because I just, I really, really think that we let new moms down a lot. We don't have the support around them. We don't come to their aid in the way that we should. And I am just, I'm really, really passionate about this time period for women. My own postpartum period with both of my children, it was rough. (laughs) I did have, you know, my mom came and she helped me for the first couple of weeks. My husband and I, we kind of got into somewhat of a rhythm with our first child, not so much with the second just because it was just, you know, once you have more than one kid, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to feed the baby and you, you know, deal with the toddler. And it, it's just chaos. It's all <laughs> like, hands on deck. It's, it's all hands on deck all the time. So it's a little more chaotic than, you know, one baby, two parents. But yeah, definitely. And I, I really encourage when I talk to women now who are pregnant, I really talk about, you know, kind of using the pregnancy, using that time to kind of gear up for the journey ahead and to think about what you may need in that postpartum period. So I have one woman in my community who's due um, in about a month or so, and she's already kind of gotten meals taken care of. You know, she's enlisted the help of her friends and family to take care of meals for the first few months. She has another friend who so generously donated um, some cleaning services for the house. And so she's really trying to put this in place. This is her second child. And she told me, she said, you know, this is like night and day (laughs) compared to my first go around with my son. Um, So this pregnancy, she's really preparing herself based on past experience and what she struggled with then to really make this postpartum period a time of joy and discovery and transition where she can feel comfortable in doing so. It so comes back to those care instructions all over again, doesn't it? What Mm -hmm. do we need to feel grounded and alive and that we're thriving? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And I think the postpartum period too, it's it's really, and pregnancy itself as well. I mean, with all the hormones and the changes and everything, you know, it's a, it's a very intense time for a lot of women. I know it was for me. And so it's really crucial, I think. And this is, again, why I'm always about community, because we weren't meant to do it alone. We, we aren't meant to kind of parent in isolation or live in isolation. We're really a communal species. And so when we get to that, when we embrace that, I think it's better for all of us. I think one of the things that changed for me when I had my children is up until that point, I had probably taken care of myself quite unconsciously, but I had that time and space to do it. Mm -hmm. And after having children, 
after mm-hmm. crashing, I realized I had to be really conscious and intentional about it, that I didn't have the luxury of it just happening anymore. Do mm-hmm. you see that as a kind of common trend as well? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, most of the women that I talk to, they are mothers, they do have children, and they always talk about the time shrink, right? Like time just <laughs> yeah. shrunk. It feels like feels like there's 12 hours in a day and not 24. And so it's really, that's why it's part of the backbone of what I teach is that, you know, self-care has to be intentional, you know, no matter what, however you define it, no matter what that is for you, but to make sure that you are intentional about it because you often won't be able to find time, right? You won't be able to find it because it's not there. You have to make time to take something off of your calendar, perhaps, or you have to block a portion of your day off. But if you don't advocate for yourself, then who who is going to do that? You may be fortunate enough to have a partner or family member or a really good group of friends who advocate and, you know, help you on that journey. But ultimately, like that's your full time job. Can't really delegate that to anybody else. So do you believe in self-care rituals, Tara? I do. I do. I do believe in self-care rituals because they are something that really keeps me grounded. One of my favorite self-care rituals is when we talked about the shower versus the bath thing. Whether you shower or you like to take baths, I like to do either by candlelight. And so as I realized that a lot of women don't like taking baths because it's kind of boring. You're just sitting there. It takes too long. You have to wait for the tub to fill up. Like it's just a lot of steps. And so what I started to do was because I didn't have time really for a bath like every day, like to, to bathe the way that I wanted to. So instead, you know, I would put on a different playlist on my phone. Maybe if I have my husband Bluetooth speaker, I put that in there, get a candle, turn all the lights off and just have like soft music playing while I shower. And it just like it turned something that was just a mundane part of my day. It turned it into something that was soothing, something that helped me transition from the stress of the day to, okay, now I'm getting ready for bed. And it really kind of signaled to my body that it was time to kind of shut it down. It was time to rest. It was time to relax. And that is one of my, you know, favorite rituals. I have my favorite body cream that's owned by a friend of mine and rub all that down. And then I'm ready for bed. (laughs) I mean, it's really amazing how that ritual, something so mundane, I made it a ritual and it feeds me in a way that I didn't really expect. But that's what rituals can do. They can kind of surprise you. I want to know what your friend's body stuff is. You can give her a shout out. (laughs) I can give her a shout out. She, She makes the best body balm ever. Her company is called Addictive Apothecary. And if you go to her website and you want to try the body balm, I always suggest you start with cashmere. That's my favorite scent. It smells like how I imagine Oprah smells. Like it just smells like a kind, rich woman. (laughs) It just... It just smells so good. So the cashmere scent, that's my favorite. I'm going to order some because the word Please that's do. in my mind is divine. That just that mm-hmm. just feels divine when you're mm-hmm. speaking about it. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so, so good. I tell everybody, I always have a little tin in my purse. People ask me, well, you smell great. What is that? And I whip it out. Like I, I'm like her, her biggest cheerleader. I, I tell everybody. Well, you've told all the Here to Thrive listeners too. Off, yes. off, off we go to the addictive <laughs> apothecary. How do we say that word? I can't say that word. Apothecary. Apothecary. Thank mm-hmm. you, Tara. Yes. 
All right. I have a bunch of questions that I ask everybody that's on here to thrive. It's your turn. You're in the hot seat. All right. Are you a morning person or a night person? I'm actually like a middle of the day person. Like <laughs> 11, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. is my favorite time of day. It just is. Do you know my favorite <laughs> bit about your answer is I have asked so many people, like probably 80 plus people this question, and you're the mm-hmm. only person that has had that response. <laughs> and it is brilliant. I am a middle yeah. of the day person. Middle of the day. I really come alive like 11 to 2. Mm-hmm. That's when you're not wilting. I love it. Exactly. What's currently sitting on your nightstand? Oh, so I have a copy of Michelle Obama's new book, Becoming. Becoming. Is it good? It is good. It is good. I thought she would talk a little bit more about her life post White House, but it really kind of wraps up after after they leave, which I'm like, okay, that's fine too. I mean, she gave a lot. So I really, really enjoyed that book. And then I also have my essential oil diffuser. Because I just started, I just bought one finally, and I really love it. And what else is on? And the Addictive Apothecary. <laughs> I, keep, <laughs> I keep a 10 by my bed, too. She's got one in a handbag, one on, yeah. one on your nightstand. Yeah. Yes. Do you have a favorite scent for your diffuser yet? I have this relaxation blend that I just happened to pick up, I think, like, at the grocery store of all places. And it's, like, orange, tangerine, patchouli, and chamomile. It smells like summer, basically. And I just, I like, it just, it smells like warm summer days and, you know, having fun. And now it's, it's fall here and it's snowing and it's just, ugh, I need to go back to summer. So that's, that's my favorite right now. I feel like you're generous calling it fall wherever you are. I'm looking out at snow covered trees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I, I just, I'm hoping like the snow will melt. Well, actually, no, I think this weekend is supposed to be like in the 50s. So, woof, woof, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a favorite self-care activity? I know we've spoken about a bunch of yours. Is, Is bathing and the music one of them? That's one of them. But I will say my favorite self-care activity is cooking. Jambalaya. Yes. I mean, when I make the jambalaya, like it's all, it's an experience. Like I, I love, you know, and I I make it slightly differently every week. So, you know, some days I'll be like really exact and I'll chop everything up the same size. Other times it'll be a little more rustic. Other times I'll switch up the different seafood that I use. So it's always different, but it's just a chance for me to, I always put my headphones in. Yes, I ignore the kids (laughs) and (laughs) I cook, chop everything, listen to music. Like it's just, it's an experience. And it helps that our kids don't eat the jambalaya because they're allergic to seafood, which is like oh, lovely <laughs> because it's just it's just mine then. And so it's just something that I make for me. So I, I think, you know, the bathing and everything like that's my everyday ritual. But the jambalaya and cooking, that's just oh, it's so near and dear to my heart. I want to come and sit at your dinner table. You're making me hungry yes. just talking about it. It sounds yes. also divine. Yes. Oh, do you have a favorite book, Tara? Some a book that through your years has maybe stuck with you or had an impact in your life in some way? Hmm. That's funny. Let's see. What I am such a oh, a book lover that it's really hard. But I will say a book that's really stuck with me, and I'm gonna try not to butcher the author's name. Um, but it's Americana is the name of the book. Um, and it's by Chimamanda Adichie. I'm I'm hoping that I got that right. She's a Nigerian author and 
it's just it's a book about a woman who grew up in Nigeria, came to the United States for college and then came and then moved back to Nigeria and like how she's perceived on different continents at the center of it is a love story, but it's really a book about belonging and how your perspectives change after you've left home and how people see you at different points in your life. And I don't know, like that story just has really stuck with me. I read it probably like once every six months and it just has really stuck with me as a reminder of like what it means to grow and what it means to leave home and what it means to discover a little bit more about yourself. Wow, I'm clearly going to have to read that book mm-hmm. because it's so good. Moving to America 5 years ago was such a huge part of my self-discovery, so mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely need to have a read. Do you have a favorite long road or a life lesson that you feel it took you quite a long time to learn? Like the one that you've stumbled over a bit? Oh, goodness. I really had to learn that my value isn't in how much I give other people. Um, I think that that is a lesson that I have stumbled over time and time and time again until I think now, currently, I think I get it. I, I think I, I have absorbed that lesson. But it definitely has taken me all of my adulthood to really untangle that one and to really say that my worth isn't in how much I can sacrifice for somebody else. It isn't in how much work I can take on to please another person. It isn't that's not what my worth is about. It's just intrinsic. It's just it's already in me. I don't have to sacrifice myself to make another person happy oh my gosh like that that answer makes me emotional because how Mm -hmm. many women how -hmm. many women just heard their own story then wow Mm -hmm. yeah oh okay (laughs) what is one thing in your day you cannot do without Mm, I would say music I found that I have different playlists for different moods. I have a playlist for when I'm writing. I have a playlist from when I'm writing and I'm on deadline. I have different playlists for everything, really. And I found that like just the click of a button, you know, clicking play can really alter my mood very quickly in a way that really little else can. Mm. I like the way you have a, a different playlist for if you're on mm-hmm. deadline. Is it a little mm-hmm. faster that one, yeah. Tara? <laughs> it's a little. Well, that one's a little. That one's a little slower. That oh. one's like breathe. You can do it <laughs> just right. <laughs> that one's a little slower. <laughs> so good. Yes. All right. How would you describe the soul? Ooh, I think, and this is going to sound kind of like an Oprah answer, but I think the soul is like truth, right? Like I think it's the truest thing, the truest thing that you can think of, like, that's the soul. It's, there's no deception. There's no falsehoods. I mean, it's just pure truth. Like it can't be, be any more pure than that. I'm, I'm all for Oprah answers. She's one of my favorites. We can totally, we can totally Oprah answer. Yes. What is fulfillment to you? I think fulfillment is, and I got this from my son, but I think fulfillment is waking up happy. Oh, your son is so wise. How old is your son? He's 10. Wow. He, and I remember when he was about 
I mean, he, my son is actually the happiest child I have ever met, like by far. I mean, he doesn't hold grudges when he is offended or something like he can get over things quickly. He's the happiest child. But I noticed maybe like five or six years ago, I said, you know, you always wake up happy. And he said, well, why wouldn't I? Oh, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, my wow. God. And that has stuck with me since. And he has a shirt. He's outgrown it. He still tries to wear, but he has a shirt that says wake up happy. And, um, yeah, I, I really believe in that. You know, if you can wake up happy, you know, most people wake up and they're like, oh, you know, there's dread, you know, what do you have to do today? Or there's tight, there's fatigue. Um, but waking up happy is something that I don't think a lot of people do. But that is like, it's something that really stuck with me. Just seeing my son and how he wakes up every day, bounces out of bed. I hope that never, ever changes. What a beautiful definition of fulfillment. <laughs> so good. Yeah. All right, coming full circle, Tara, I'm going to let you get off the call soon. <laughs> if you could leave the listeners with one thought today, what would it be? Goodness, I think if I could leave listeners with any one thought, I think it would be to choose yourself. There's so many opportunities for you to choose another person's happiness or choose another person's feelings over yours. But to choose yourself and to understand that like that is your full time job to look out for yourself. I have been telling my friends about this episode before it even went live. I really enjoyed speaking with Tara. I felt like she discusses self-care in a manner that really grounds it. When there can be so much discussion around this topic, I feel like so much of it doesn't bring it home for me and this really did. Tara runs online courses and has a group coaching program. She also runs meetups. So check her out. If you are interested, check theselfcaresuite.com. Next week, I have the final episode for the introduction for this season with all of the guest episodes. And then Here to Thrive will be taking... A four-week break before we come back with the new release schedule of every other week. So next week, I have Ruby Warrington discussing her new book called Sober Curious. Until then, keep thriving, beautiful people. Keep thriving. Keep thriving.